0: Welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. This is a podcast for cool people who love libraries, where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. My name's Taylor, your host, and I'm the branch librarian of the Oaklawn Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her.
1: I'm Rebecca. I am the young adult librarian at the Tiverton Public Library, and my pronouns are she, her.
2: And I'm Alyssa. I'm the teen librarian at the Cranston Central Public Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you, ladies, for joining us. I know you're both excited to talk about books, and
0: uh, later in the show, I've got two experts I know in my life on romance novels. To talk about romance novels since August is Read a Romance Novel Month. Uh, But before we get into the meat of that, why don't we just jump in with what you guys have been currently reading? I have been reading a lot
1: of stuff. Um, I'm the type of reader who finishes at least one book a day. Um, So I'm moving from title to title. And yesterday, I finished Camp by Elsie Rosen. And I think all three of us have. Have you read that yet, Taylor? No. That's on your to-be-read list, though. Because um, mm-hmm. of Rippa. Because of RIPA, yeah, for Rhode <laughs> Island Teen Book Award. Um, so I, I really liked that. That was a queer um, summer romance book set at camp that involves some theater and um, exploration of identity. Um, <clears throat> so I, I liked that. It was fair.
2: Did you like it, Alyssa? I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was super inclusive. I think that, like, the moments that took me out of the story were just, like, my own experiences with summer camp where I was like, they would never do that. The counselors would never let you do that. Like, so I I don't think it's stuff that, like, teens would necessarily, Especially if they've never been to camp, they might be like, whoa, is that what camp is like? Um, but no it's definitely I at least in my experience much more supervised but I think that like that like sort of fantasy of camp like really works for the book
1: um, I had some problem with the deception um, the whole premise mm. of the book is is that one character is changing everything about himself in order to be the most attractive um, this other character that he's romantically interested in and and so while I think some of that is great exploration of like performative um, gender identity. Um, I, I struggled with some of the deception that like the adults allowed and um, it was real schemy. And so I, I had a little trouble with the scheming and that, but it was fun. I think teens are really gonna like it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that the adult involvement too, sometimes I was a little like, again, I don't think that's how counselors would act. But, like, yeah, I I was a little uncomfortable with, like, so many people being in on the steam and no one telling uh, the object of his affection whose name I am blinking on. Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, I, I felt kind of bad for Hudson that, like, he didn't have a single person that was like, yo, dude, you're getting duped. The whole book
0: being plotted around deception reminds me of either of you read Openly Straight. No, Um, it's, it's a little bit older title. Um, I'm totally blanking on the author's name. I can see it in my head. It will be in the show notes. But the premise of the book was that uh, this kid who was like the, he was like, him and his mom were super involved in PFLAG in the town he grew up in. And he was like one of the only gay kids in school. But because he was so involved in like PFLAG and the Gay Straight Alliance in his school and all this stuff at this more like rural town that he grew up in, he like became like the gay kid. And he hated that it was like the only thing people really knew about him so boarding school in Massachusetts and I don't think a real town I think he made up the town in Massachusetts to go to this like all boys boarding school and he decides that he's going to pretend to be straight while he's there to see if people can like him for something other than like to kind of like see if his whole identity is built around being like the gay kid and like hating that so much, but he ends up crushing on this kid and this kid is like having like a, uh, so they end up kissing and possibly getting involved a little bit more, but it's why so nothing like terribly risque, but, and this kid is all just like, like he thinks they're both having an, a, a crisis of identity. This, Kid who he gets involved with because the kid did have a girlfriend, but then they broke up with his girlfriend. This kid's like, I don't know what my identity is, and he's like trying to struggle to sort out if he's bi but and he thinks since the main character is like also on this struggle. And like so many times I was like, just talk to each other. So I feel like that's what I get caught up a lot in YA novels from. Like, I was like, oh, right. They don't have the mature skills that like we as an adult have where we're just like, we just realizing that if you just communicate with other people that things might be okay.
2: Uh, so the thing that I've been reading lately is also a queer book called The House in the Cerulean Sea. It is, like, this super cozy fantasy novel about this man who works for, like, the Ministry of Magical Children, and he's kind of, like, a social worker slash, like, detective cop dude. And they're, like okay, you have to go inspect this like orphanage for magical children and report back. Like if everything is like safe and above board and it's just like super sweet and super hopeful. And like the main characters are just like really earnest and wonderful. Um, And it kind of reminded me if like Harry Potter was written by, like, a queer, cozy British man, and then, like, Wes Anderson directed the movie adaptation. (laughs) It was just fantastic, and I loved it. And it's a standalone, which I, like, I find so often in fantasy, like, finding a really solid standalone fantasy that gets in all of the world-building, and you really get to know the characters can be tough. So I feel like when a standalone fantasy is that good, like, it's just chef's kiss. Awesome. Is that YA or adult? It's adult. Um, I definitely feel like it could have some crossover appeal, but like the main characters are like 40. So um, like I would feel very comfortable like handing that to a teen that likes like kind of cozy, um, like upbeat fantasy, but it's definitely like marketed for adults. So Rebecca, was Camp
0: the only book you wanted to talk about? Do you have a book that you have more positive feelings about?
1: Everything I've read has been questionable. Like, meh,
0: kind of (laughs)
1: stuff. Um, I did read a series relatively recently that I did like. It was the Getting Lucky series by Megan Quinn, and it's it's on brand for what we're talking about this episode with romance. Um, Each book follows a different brother in these families. It's kind of my lane with romance is like small town contemporaries that follows a set of friends. It follows a set of siblings, that sort of thing. Um, So this one is set in a small town in Maine. The first one is titled That Second Chance. And so... What happens to start this series is the four brothers go out for the youngest brother's 21st birthday and they go to New Orleans and they drunkenly break a tarot card reader's table. And so she they give her some money and she decides to read them and she she decides to curse them and they're all drunk. So so they believe that she's cursing them. And I guess as she's doing this, like the wind starts blowing. And so like to set the scene, it gets very believable for them very quick. Um, And all they were doing is trying to find the pretzel place. But anyway, Uh, (laughs) so they believe themselves to be cursed. And then they return back to their hometown. And um, the first brother, his young wife unexpectedly dies. So he associates her unfortunate, unavoidable death to this curse, and it it shows how he finds his way to like a second chance romance type of thing. Um, the second brother was supposed to be a sports star and has an unfortunate accident, and he breaks up with his long-term girlfriend in the aftermath of this horrible accident, and and it follows his journey back to how he he gets back to her. So like this whole series is just like how they find their way around this curse. Um, I've read the first three and they're really great in terms of small town romance. Um, The town they're in is quirky and fun. The background characters are interesting. The brothers each have a very unique voice. Um, And the fourth brother's book, which I think will be the last in this series run, was just released, I think, like two weeks ago. And the audios on them are really good too. The male reader that they have for these audiobooks does a different voice for each of the brothers, and he's read all of the audios, so he does the same voice for each brother in each recording. So there's nice consistency with that. So in terms of like storytelling, if you're the type of reader or listener, who's going to, um, listen to things back to back, having the same voice done for each of the brothers is a nice listening experience. So those were really, in my opinion, really great. Uh,
0: what have you guys been watching to pass the time?
2: So I, I'm almost done with season one of that show Cursed on Netflix. I don't know if you ladies have heard about it. Um, I feel like if you watch The Witcher, it kind of gives me Witcher vibes in that it's like a fantasy show on Netflix that kind of had a little low budget and the storyline makes like only like 80 percent sense like there's like 20 percent nonsensical stuff but it makes it like really fun to watch so it's a book i live one yeah it was i think it was a graphic novel the witcher was a book and i think curse is a graphic novel which is like i, I feel like i need to like read it once i'm done with the show um so yeah i don't want to say it's a good show but it's a fun show <laughs> i'm very much enjoying it. and it has the, the least um The main character, the leading lady, is played by the same actress that played Leah in Love, Simon. And she does this horrendous British accent. It's just wonderful. It's it's just so much fun.
0: I want to say, though, in The Witcher's defense, which I only have seen the first two episodes, I really just have to go back and watch the whole thing because I do eventually want to finish it. But in The Witcher's defense, The Witcher was a book that was like written in some scandinavian language to begin with and then translated to english and then now translated into being a show so that accounts i feel like for some of the 20 percent of why the witcher doesn't make sense but this book started off in english (laughs) the witcher messed with
1: the storylines and the timelines too
0: Mm. so like
1: they introduced the three main characters and like one of the main characters if you're going by the book storylines you wouldn't meet them until like the fourth book so they they purposely have messed with a non-sequential storyline which is for some people that's hard to follow so that's that might be why that doesn't make sense
2: yeah the and, and also the witcher had the video game too thrown into the mix so like a lot of people had witcher not me but witcher video game expectations going into the witcher but yeah, Curse is definitely a great Witcher follow-up if you're looking for that sort of thing. If you're looking for
0: stuff. I don't want to say hate watch because it seems like your feelings aren't that strong, but just like something something
2: that's so bad that it's good. Yeah, it's not even bad. It's just that it's not great, but it's interesting. And I feel like the nonsensical stuff makes it even more like fun to watch and like critique and comment on. Okay. What about you, Rebecca? Um,
1: For the limited amount of TV that I actually get to watch, I mean, I have three small children, so it's always something Disney or (laughs) children's Netflix or YouTube or whatever. Um, My husband and I are watching The Umbrella Academy. So season two of The Umbrella Academy, which is also a graphic novel. um, And that's kind of all over the place as well with their quest to end of the apocalypse. So they saved the world from the apocalypse in the first season. And now they're, they brought the apocalypse with them to an alternate timeline. And now they're trying to save the world from the apocalypse again. So that's fun. For me, I watch a lot of junk TV. I'm very big into 90 Day Fiance on Netflix, because I love the drama. Um, And I think passport privilege is a really interesting concept. And this show really highlights like American passport privilege and being able to go to different countries and like the process of securing a bride essentially in all of these different countries. Um, but pretty much, I just like to watch people fight on TV. (laughs) I like to watch people have an argument and like, and like see how it's going to come out on the other side. And I know a lot of that is editing. Um, and some of it may be not editing and people are just really fighting, but that's the attraction for me is like, let's watch some people fight and see how this happens. Let the, let's watch them fight about not having a shower in the middle of the Philippines and see how this turns out. Like that's the kind of show <laughs> that like when I'm watching TV, it's, it's a lot of junk stuff like that.
2: Did you watch love is blind? I absolutely did. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I watched Love is Blind, and that was, like, my junk show. And I watched it because I was so engrossed with the interpersonal turmoil. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've only seen a couple episodes of 90 Day Fiance, but maybe that needs to be my my new thing because Love is Blind is over.
1: There's a lot more source content with 90 Day Fiance because it's been on for a while, and then they've had spinoffs, like who's bringing who to this country, who's going to live in another country. Like, there's this one lady who has been in a relationship with this guy from India for eight years, and then she goes over there, and she finds out he's married, and so, like, he's trying to navigate his Indian divorce because one night she's in her apartment, and his whole family, including his wife, show up. Like, it's bananas. It's bananas. That's wild. That's bananas. And she she left her life. She sold all of her worldly belongings and was going to, to get married and retire to India. <laughs> and then, then the storm happened.
2: Wow, wow. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> and so like at the start of this most recent season, there's one woman who's in Korea. And so the first scene they show of this new season is her is like, we're on lockdown. And she starts talking about, covid and being in korea and being stuck over there and and so that actually hasn't played out in the season yet but i'm interested to see how that plays out for this group of americans who are now in another country trying to marry their international love interests um and then surprise even if it goes awry you are now stuck in this other country so yeah i'm into the drama with stuff like that
0: I think a lot of people even in America uh, were having their relationships tested by lockdown. So it was like all relationships are either long distance or suddenly living together and there's no in between. Or so you're living together and you, you just you want, want your uh,
1: your spouse to go to work.
0: But he can't go to work.
1: <laughs> so you're you're stuck together all the time.
0: So I can't even imagine the added layer of like you move to another country and but it, it's good tv I guess oh my gosh yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so do you guys want to get into what you've come here for I know Rebecca you're very excited you came prepared That's my favorite thing I love to talk about romance novels
1: and being a teen librarian I don't have the opportunity to talk about this stuff because thematic wise it's mostly above where a lot of my readers are so i mean there's ya romance but it's different ya romance (laughs) is much different than um like traditional romance novels romance with a capital r yes (laughs) so i don't know i don't know where you want where you want to start Taylor.
0: So I guess to start off, why do you guys gravitate towards romance novels? What do you like about them? And maybe why should people try them out if they've never read one before? So for me,
1: I like to read romance novels because the genre is inherently feminist and it's not naturally presumed to be that way. Um, But romance novels are written by women for women. And they're books where women's desires and experiences, their inner lives are all spotlighted and then given value. And they're written to be read and enjoyed. They're smart and funny. Um, the characters are witty and savvy and romance novels are becoming increasingly inclusive. They haven't always been that way. With all of publishing, publishing's pretty white and more more recently things are taking a direction to include non-white characters as protagonists as well as non-straight characters as well. So for me, I'm really I'm really attracted to women's stories and the fact that for the most part other women wrote these stories for women to consume.
0: I, I guess I always thought of it as a genre that objectifies women and like that it was like very traditional relationship roles are played out. And, and so I, I didn't really think of it as a perspective as like women are writing these stories for other women's enjoyment and like for their pleasure.
1: Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it also comes from the fact that romance as a genre are women's stories, there's always a devaluation of things that are intentionally intended for women. And it's seen as like fluff or not smart. And, um, a lot of the stuff and yes, there is, there is garbage and there is stuff that perpetuates things that are harmful or, um, things that perpetuate patriarchal ideas and, there's stuff that feels icky but for the most part you know romance novels have two things that are super important in the structure of all romance novels it's like they have a central love story so the main plot centers around individuals falling in love and struggling to make their relationship work but also they have an emotionally satisfying and optimistic ending so if you get to the end of a book and it hasn't resolved, that means there's more story to come um, because the whole point is that the lovers, whoever the lovers are, be male, female, male, male, female, female. Then you start adding people with social geometry and things get more complicated. However, the relationship is structured for how, whatever type of book it is, um, the lovers are risking and struggling for each other and their relationship to get that emotional reward in the end. Um, and a lot of times the journeys are told in dual perspective. You get the male side and the female side or both female or both male or her, however it is. Um, but the focus is on the female experience. And when you look at other types of fiction, the focus isn't female and the focus isn't on the female getting what she wants or being satisfied in the relationship. However, whatever type of subgenre you're in, how that satisfaction is defined. Um, And generally, if we're talking like het, cis books, when I talk about female, um, she's the winner. And girls don't always get to win, you know? Um, So for me, every time you're going into something and knowing that no matter who the characters are, it's going to be a winning scenario and it's going to end in not necessarily a happily ever after, but it's got a hopeful, optimistic ending. And you're going to feel good at the completion of this, even if you've cried your eyes out or you've kind of been shocked by what's going on. In the end, like there's going to be happiness um, is what continually brings me back to reading romance. Because it's it's more than a love story in a lot of these things. Like I mentioned that small town um, series in that you get to see people who have real world problems, navigate their real world problems and try and have a relationship and try and make that relationship work and deal with all of this real world junk and noise that they have to deal with otherwise. So as a reader, it's satis- it's satisfying to watch your characters succeed or to build something when no matter what the thing they're building, be a career or romance or professional success or, Um, you know, mystery baby, that pops up in romance a lot, like surprise baby, to like navigate dealing with these real life situations and be successful.
2: Alyssa, do you have anything you want to add? So in addition to all of that wonderful, thoughtful commentary from Rebecca, I think for me, I love romance novels as an anxious person. So I have anxiety and I really, really love knowing that there is a whole genre of books that I can read that no matter how bananas or awful or sad the content is of that book, I know that by the end, things are going to be okay and end on a high note. And I think like, I read a lot of different types of books, but romance always just feels extremely comforting and just, like, the type of book that's going to make my heart happy, and I think, like, how can you argue against your heart being happy? That's such a good feeling, and I love feeling that when I read, you know, I think that there's all different types of books, and to say that, like, that's diametrically opposed to, like, like, a head book, like a thought book, or an intellectual book, Like, so many romance novels are smart and savvy, like Rebecca said. And I think that they are doing some interesting things, especially right now. Like, I feel like there's been an expansion in terms of, like, whose romantic stories get told. And I think that is really empowering and important to see different types of people, um, you know, whether it's sexuality or gender um, or, you know race or even just like types of relationships like there's some interesting stuff with like polyamory relationships being explored in romance i just think there's just cool stuff going on and to just write it off as like well those are just books for ladies that want to read about sexy time like i think you're really missing some really cool work being done in the genre
0: and we'll return to the show after a quick break Users of the Cranston Public Library can now access their favorite digital magazines using Flipster. Flipster offers an easy, browsable reading experience. Users can browse magazines by category as well as perform searches for specific titles. An online newsstand provides a carousel of the most recent issues, as well as a carousel of all the issues, allowing for quick access to magazines. Go to cranstonlibrary.org and click the link Online Resources You Can Use Now. To find out more information on how you can access Flipster, Flipster also has an app available on Android and iOS. TumbleBooks offers on-demand eBooks and audiobooks for all ages. Read as many books as you want, whenever you want, on any device. There are no checkouts, holds, or bulky downloads. Books are available instantly. TumbleBooks has books for grades K through six, including read-aloud storybooks. Their Teen Book Cloud has books for grades 7 through 12. They offer audiobooks for all ages and semi romance novels for adults. Check out TumbleBooks by going to cranstonlibrary.org and clicking on the box that says online resources you can use now. And you'll find a link that says TumbleBooks. So I know that you both have probably a ton of recommendations that you could make, but to maybe, to maybe narrow our focus a little bit, um, if you had space for five books in your suitcase,
2: what would they be? Well, the first book that comes to mind for me is The Kiss Quotient by Helen Hoang and so good very smart and this is the book that stick with me is a like reverse pretty woman our heroine is like this genius autistic um economist who does like i can't even say what it is like she does statistics with economics and um she hires a male escort to teach her how to like be in a relationship and Um, its own voices so the author is autistic and I just that is one of my absolute favorite books I love it so much I've read it multiple times so good
1: okay my first choice is going to be Archer's Voice by Mia Sheridan so in Archer's Voice Archer has an accident as a young child Um, and can no longer speak. So you meet him as an adult who's like the town pariah because he's unable to communicate with the people of his town. Um, and it's got family drama and he ends up meeting this girl who has a deaf father. So she signs to him because he taught himself sign language. Um, and you come to find out like he can communicate. It's just no one in town is willing to communicate with him because they've written him off as like a giant weirdo. Um, and then drama ensues and there's a family backstory. And I like that they, they sign a lot in that book back and forth. And so for me, that was the draw to that one. Alyssa, you've read that one too.
2: Yeah, that's a really good one. That one made me like sob hysterically, but then I was happy at the end. <laughs> as you should be when you're reading romance. Um, I would also like to plug, I wish, all right, I'm going to cram them all into one and pretend this counts as one. So the entire True North series by Serena Bowen. So good and it's set in vermont which i love vermont and so they're like actually going to places like that i've visited and they're like going to like restaurants that i've been to and um it's kind of like what rebecca was saying with that like small town like follows one family um and so i love the true north series and that's one of those series that like i could read over and over again and i never get bored with it
0: i'll allow that all counting as one you had an e-reader in the suitcase, and they were all on there.
2: <laughs> well, Thank a lot you. of
1: romances like that. So, like going off of that, like the Winston Brothers by Penny Reed is a really great series, too. And it follows all every one of these brothers, and you get a backstory from their dad. And their dad was like this motorcycle club villain. And they're coming up in this small town in the Smoky Mountains and those are, re- they're really good audiobooks, books, um, the Winston Brothers audiobooks. books. Um, some of them are read by Joy Nash um, for the female perspective, and she's an actress. She was on the show Dietland, um, if anyone had watched that. And you get, you get a perspective of each brother and each brother is incredibly different as you go through the series. Um, so they're standalones, but then the backstory all connects together. And Penny Reed is an incredibly smart and witty writer. Like, one brother is a super genius, and and he's basically on a giant plan to screw up everything for everybody in town. Like, he's going to screw up things for the police. He's going to screw up things for the motorcycle club. And he's just like, the, the brothers are going to come out on top um, by all of Cletus Winston's nefarious plans. And he falls in love for the banana cake queen. <laughs> As an interesting aside, but like you, you get like I like stuff like that where you get pockets of a community and you get to see all the friends fall in love, all the brothers fall in love. And then like the same characters bump from book to book to book and in, in like the periphery.
2: So the next one I want to plug is a uh, historical romance, which I do really love historical romance in addition to, um, you know, contemporary romance. And uh, I really love The Lady's Guide to Celeste mechanics by olivia wait it is a queer lady historical romance which is really interesting and definitely thinking about like fiction that's written by women about women this is very much like two women navigating a historical time period where they didn't have a lot of agency especially if you were queer it could be incredibly dangerous and um a scientist falls in love with an artist and they're just really supportive of one another and lift each other up and i just it's just really sweet when also backdrops against like falls and beautiful gowns and london street i just love that one all right i'll match your queer story with another queer story And the one i think what which one no go ahead
1: hook by gina maxwell oh, no. which one did you think i was gonna say red white and royal blue well, I thought you might mention that one. That's why I didn't say it. This is how yeah. in tune we are. I was like, I'll skip that because Alyssa's probably going to mention it. No, That's Hook- my next one. <laughs> See, aren't you glad I picked a different one then? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say Hook by Gina Maxwell. So Hook is a um, Peter Pan retelling where um, it, it's the second book in a series, but you could skip the Pan book and just jump right to the Hook book because Pan's fine, whatever he gets with Wendy. Everybody knows that Pan's hooking up with Wendy. But Hook in this one, um, it's a dark romance. You find out that the Lost Boys and Hook have all come out of the same orphanage that have been it's been run um, by evil Croc and Croc's wife. Um, and you find out that Croc has been abusing Hook now they're adults, and they've all escaped the orphanage, but Hook is trapped working in a chop shop for Croc, and he gets in a relationship with John Darling, who is now an undercover police officer, who is going in to infiltrate Croc's gang to try and bring down the chop shop business. Sounds, like, really funny, and, like, it won't work, but... Um, yeah, Hook and John Darling hooking up is pretty excellent. <laughs> so they're they're a pretty they're a pretty good pair, and it's that's pretty it's a pretty steamy um, male male queer romance.
2: All right, so Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuestion is my next one. Um, this is one of those romance novels that I feel like people read without realizing it was a romance novel like it had a lot of crossover appeal for people that didn't necessarily read a lot of genre romance um and i thought it was excellent and all i'm going to say is that the first son so the son of the president of the united states ends up falling in love with like the second son of um like it's the second in line for the Crown of England, and it's contemporary, um, and it's hilarious, and I love that one. So we each have, what, one more?
1: I have, I'm have. i on four, so this would be my fourth one. Okay. So I have two, you have one, because you went first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tier. Um, I'm going to go with Dear Aaron by Mariana Zapata. Um, Mariana Zapata writes slow burns, and in this one... Um, The female main character gets involved in a write a a soldier program. So she's communicating with Aaron while he's deployed and they go back and forth through emails. She sends him packages and when he comes back, he really wants to meet her. So she ends up going on vacation with him and some of his friends. And that's really good in audio too, because you get a male voice and a female voice going back and forth (laughs) as they email each other
2: all right my fifth one. Oh, this is really hard all right i think i'm gonna go with a like helen Halong's other book which is the bride test so she wrote the kiss quotient and then the bride test is the second one and in this one um you have a character who ends up getting like set up with essentially like i want to call her a mail order bride but like his mother goes back To her home country and brings back a woman because she's like my son's never gonna get married oh no and I just loved that like the heroine was an immigrant who didn't speak very good English she didn't she didn't have a high level of education but she's just so scrappy and smart and wonderful and I think that really speaks to what I was saying earlier about like who whose love stories get to be told and this sort of broadening of the genre. Um, I just love that one. She's so cool. She's she's like a whip smart heroine.
1: I'm going to go for my last one with the bromance book club by uh, Lisa K Adams. And it focuses on men using romance novels as manuals to figure out what's wrong with their relationship. So in the first one, the man is a professional athlete. He's a professional baseball player and his wife has decided to divorce him. So you see him with these other dudes who are all really successful guys. They're professional athletes. They're club owners. One guy's a hacktivist and and has a ton of money. So they're all super professional um, and super wealthy, but they're having these really low level relationship problems. So he uses... The romance novel to navigate how he's going to romance and win his wife back. The second and third, they're not married, but the first professional athlete is. So you get a whole cast of characters who are meeting in this book club talking about these romance novels and about how this romance novel is going to save his marriage or get him a girlfriend or get this other guy out of the friend zone and... It's a rom-com. So like you got, you have a Russian hockey player who has a problem with flatulence that's like hanging around in the background and no one believes he's actually married and they got bets on whether or not the Russian's wife exists. And um, the thing that I liked most about the first book is that he's a professional athlete and people like have women have Pinterest boards to him um, and everyone sees him as attractive and he's super super insecure and he stutters um and so the fact that he's like constantly trying to overcome for the fact that he stutters is really really endearing and it all of the problems with his wife come out of his insecurity so it it shows that like on the outside it's someone you could really idolize and they're dealing with some super basic life skill type of problems that you would never know about unless you were intimately involved
0: okay yeah so that's a lot of great recommendations for people who want to start reading romance novels or just read some that they haven't read yet got a lot to choose from there it makes me want to reconsider the genre it was never it's never a genre i thought that i'd be really interested in so is there anything else that you want to say i think one thing that
1: readers don't realize is that there's all of these sub-genres underneath the umbrella of romance. And so there is literally something for every type of reader. The The queer books that are coming out right now are really strong. Like paranormal romance has always been super popular uh, with readers. Romantic suspense is is huge. There's stories that have zero sex in them, but you see the romantic relationship from two people evolve. So like there's everything from like Christian romance all the way through stuff that is bananas crazy um, (laughs) involving like all kinds of groups of people. So like you can go from one end to the other and like 50% of all paperback sales are from romance books. They do like one and a half billion dollars of revenue each year in terms of purchasing. If you're interested in pretty much anything, um, there's a romance book for you. So it's all about looking and finding what
0: you're interested in. Alyssa, do you have any closing thoughts?
2: Um, No, I think Rebecca covered it pretty, pretty well. Yeah, don't don't write off all romance as just one thing because it's a lot of different things.
0: Well, we're now going to move into a new segment for the show, our new closing segment called The Last Chapter, where we're going to take up some of the age-old book-related questions and see where our guests stand on them. And so I thought today's question that we would talk about is old book smell versus new book smell. Which one do you prefer and why? a thousand percent new book smell
2: <laughs> um Ooh. yeah I think new book smell also I really love ebooks and they don't smell at all so
1: yeah no, same I listen to audios can't smell an audio but like there's there's something new about new book smell and I think we get it a okay. lot too because we order so much of them so if we get something like fresh out of cataloging that no like one other person has touched because they put the barcode on it and you open it up and it cracks and like the pages fan out like that's there's this magical smell that just comes from
0: that. No, I'm totally with you but I thought I was in the minority cuz so many people are like, "Oh, old book smell." And I'm like, "You mean mold?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not a fan of that. Must and mold, that's what you enjoy? No, yeah, where you open it and it's just, like, ink and Mm -hmm. crisp paper hits you okay I thought like I said I thought I was in the minority here which is why I brought this up I thought I was like everybody loves old book smell and I'm over here like no new book smell but yeah there is also something kind of visceral about it maybe because the excitement of getting new books either in your own personal collection or I get excited about getting books for my collection in the library because I'm like yay all of these people can come in and enjoy these books it's so exciting so maybe that's there's something there So thank you both for being on the show and a big thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the show. If you'd like to take a couple more minutes out of your day to rate and review our podcast where you listen to podcasts, it will help other people find our show. And that has been another episode of Downtime.
2: downtime is a production of the cranston public library
1: our theme music is day trips by ketsa and our ad music is happy ukulele by scott holmes links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes to find out everything your library can do for you visit our website at cranstonlibrary.org downtime with cranston public library is on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and everywhere else you find your podcasts subscribe so you never miss an episode Join us next week for more Downtime.